0: Thanks for listening to David Hates Everything. On this week's episode, I'm going to discuss the leaked PS4 Slim, Grand Theft Auto V's staying power, why Mashing X isn't fun, and the gaming deal of the week. The old school spotlight's going to be on the Warriors of the game, and I'll close it out with thoughts on No Man's Sky. This is David Hates Everything, Episode 1. To kick things off this week, uh, the PS4 Slim is officially leaked. A user on Twitter got a hold of the PS4 Slim and uploaded a ton of photos of the system and the box. The user claims they bought the system from someone they knew at a game shop, but some prominent industry people like Wario64 were suggesting the system was almost certainly stolen. Um, there have been a lot of rumors about a PS4 Slim coming for months. A worker from Foxconn, the manufacturing company that assembles practically every major electronic device in America, had already leaked the design of the Slim when they drew a picture of it based on their experience assembling it. Uh, like any good rumor, the drawing was met with a lot of skepticism, but it turns out it was accurate. Uh, Sony's not too happy about all this. They've been planning to announce the PS4 Slim and the PS4 Neo at a press conference scheduled for September 7th, and this leak obviously took a lot of air out of those announcements. Uh, Sony's gone so far as to report DMCA takedown notices against users publishing the photos on Twitter or on their websites. I thought the ps 4 slim, slim design was okay. It's smaller and lighter than the PS4. has a matte finish. Uh, releasing three years after the PS4 launch means it's going to have upgraded internals, so it's going to be more quiet. It's going to be more efficient when it runs, but it's not going to bump up the graphics of any of your games. You're not going to be playing Grand Theft Auto V in 60 frames a second, but your load times will probably be improved, and your electricity bill might drop by a dime. The biggest difference, other than the physical design, is that it has mechanical power and eject buttons. This might not seem like a big deal to people, but it is huge. I hate, hate the current power and eject buttons for the PS4. Uh, They work by touching them, not by actually pushing them. So that means they only work about half the time, and they accidentally get hit all the time. It's the same as the eject button was on the Xbox 360S, which was just a constant source of aggravation. I mean, you graze these things and your game gets popped out of the system or it shuts down. So hopefully they'll stick with mechanical buttons from here on out, you know, we'll see. Uh, On September 7th, Sony's expected to officially announce the PS4 Slim and PS4 Neo. We don't know what the price point of either is going to be. I think think the Slim is probably going to be about $300 or less. And if you already got a PS4 but want to upgrade to the Slim, be on the lookout for a good trade-in deal at GameStop. Uh, And GameStop's quarterly financial call to investors yesterday, they said they're hoping to work with Sony to do an official trade-in for current PS4 owners wanting to upgrade. Not totally sure if Sony's going to cooperate with them, but it's GameStop, so... They'll do something anyways. Um, once we find out more about the PS4 Neo, we'll definitely be talking about that. Uh, expect that around September 7th. But the, the, based on the way things have going or been going, we'll probably get a lot more information uh, before Sony wants us to. Speaking of Grand Theft Auto V, the video game sales numbers for July were just released. And Grand Theft Auto V is the number one selling game in July. Which is just crazy. Um, it topped titles like Call of Duty, beat Overwatch, it beat the just released Monster Hunter Generations. And you gotta remember, GTA 5 originally came out in 2013 on the PS3 and 360, got followed up by a next gen release on PS4 and Xbox One in 2014 uh, that brought a first person mode, which I think is fantastic. Uh, it also released on PC in 2015. With all the next gen features, it had improved frame rate running at 60 frames a second, which might not seem like a huge difference. But if you see GTA 5 running on a PC versus uh, an Xbox or a PS4, it, it is night and day. It's one of the things I've talked about where if the PS4 Neo can do GTA 5 in 60 frames a second, I will get it day one. Um, back to the point, it, it's really amazing that a three-year-old game is still in the top ten month in and month out, but to be number one is insane. As of February, GTA V sold more than 60 million copies and was driving over 50% of its publisher 2K Games profits. Game industry analyst Daniel Ahmad, or ZXHuge as he's known on Twitter, attributed the sales of GTA V to being one of the first games people buy when they purchase a next-gen system. Uh, Huge actually published a graph showing next-gen console sales on top of GTA V sales, and there's a one-to-one correlation between the spikes and declines of sales in next-gen consoles and GTA V. I mean, it looked like pretty much 50% of all people buying a new Xbox One or PS4 buy GTA V at the same time. So I'm a big GTA fan, GTA 5 fan. I'm excited to see it still doing well. Uh, Very possibly my favorite game of all time. I think it's one of the few masterpieces of modern times in any format. I'll put it up against movies, music, whatever you want. Uh, The world of GTA 5 has more to do and see than pretty much any other open world game I've ever played there's stock car races. You can play golf. You can play tennis. You can collect bounties. Participate in you know classic rampage style missions, triathlons. I mean, I could keep going, but GTA Five is just huge, and that's only talking about the single player. Uh, the online has actually been a lot more successful than Rockstar anticipated. They've been making so much money, and the only thing you gotta remember: the only thing they sell is in-game currency. That's it. They've been making so much money selling the in-game currency that they shifted, uh, probably about a year ago, they shifted all their development resources to making more online content as opposed to any single hand. So on one hand, it's, it's really disappointing to me because I loved the single player and I was really hoping for more. On the same hand, it's really nice that they've been putting all this work into GTA Online, trying to really flush it out and make it a huge experience. And I mean, again, all the updates have been free. So, um, I mean, they've added new guns, cars, closing, they added heist missions, which if you haven't played, they're these really extensive four-player missions, uh, and they're four-part missions where you have a setup and then you have the actual heist, you can end up robbing a bank and then riding motorcycles off a cliff to skydive down to your boat while the police chase you. They're really, really fun. So, not only have they added all this content, but they just released a new update Uh, called stunt races where it adds basically if you've ever seen track mania it's like track mania races but in grand theft auto i mean imagine like giant hot wheels tracks all through the city of san andreas so you're launching over mountains you're jumping over skyscrapers it's really fun and on top of that one of the coolest things about grand theft auto is they've given players tools and this is on all consoles or at least on next gen and pc they've given the players the tools to be able to make new missions and new modes as they see fit. So like with the stunt races, they gave players all that for free. So you can make your own tracks, you can upload them online, other people can play them. You can even get them Rockstar verified. I don't know exactly how that works, but essentially if your mission's good enough, I guess Rockstar looks at it and they'll add it into a a special playlist so other people get it when they want to play. Um, bottom line, Granted Auto 5 is currently, in my opinion, the best value in gaming. It offers more content at a fairer price than anything on the market. And I mean, you can frequently find it new for $40 or less. If you don't mind getting it used, I'm sure you can get it for even less than that. Very possibly my favorite game of all time. And I I think it's indisputably one of the top five games ever made. And that's not to say it's like perfect. It's not perfect. It's still got some issues. I mean, the controls aren't quite as good as you want. Uh, I mean, in fact... When you first start playing it in first person, if you just play by the default controls, they are janky as hell. Um, I've actually got a pretty good idea of how the controls need to be shifted for most people or changed so you can play it comfortably. And I'll get that posted at some point. I'll write about that. Um, But it is a massive difference when you improve. For some reason, Rockstar makes their dead zone on on their joysticks huge. And if you're not familiar with what that is, your dead zone is the area that you can move the joystick around. Before it causes anything to happen in the game. So the bigger the dead zone is, the less responsive your controls are. For some reason, they made it totally, I mean, just huge in GTA V. Uh, and that's the first thing you really want to fix, as well as your field of view. And, and just to be clear, I guess I haven't said this before, I'm talking about Grand Theft Auto V in first person. I beat it in third person on 360 and loved it. But in first person, that game is just, it's a completely different experience. And that's the way I'd encourage everybody to do it, to play it. So if you don't have it, or if you haven't played through it in first person, highly recommend you go check it out. Keep your eyes open for when it's on sale. You can probably find it for as low as 30 bucks pretty easily. So moving from uh, GTA 5, we're going to talk about another Rockstar game in this week's uh, Old School Spotlight. We're going to talk about the Warriors, the game. So it was originally released in 2005 for the PlayStation 2 and original Xbox. Uh, the Warriors is based on the 1979 cult hit movie, the same title. It's a game I always wanted to play, but I didn't get the chance to because it released at the same time the Xbox 360 was coming out, and I didn't have my original Xbox anymore because I traded it in because I was 16 and broke and really wanted a 360 on the first day it came out. So luckily, it was just released on PS4 as a PS2 classic uh, about a month or two ago, and it's only 15 bucks, so it's a really good get-in price. I love the Warriors movie. It's very campy but stylish. I know a lot of some people don't really dig it. One of my friends, Keegan, I let him borrow it. He was not a fan. Uh, the, the fight scenes in the movie are really poorly choreographed. The gangs are really goofy. There's one gang called the Baseball Furies that wear baseball uniforms and borderline clown makeup while they do gangster stuff around New York to kind of give you an idea of the absurdity of it. There's another gang called the Orphans. They all dress in tattered clothes and look. You know, dirty and smelly like some orphans. It's uh, they're they're kind of cheesy, but for me it works. There's something about the style of it that that keeps it from being lame or stupid or or too cheesy. So the Warriors game takes place a few months before the movie's plot begins. It offers fans a deeper look at the backstory of the gang, and there's bonus missions that show why the members joined and how they came to be, which is pretty nice. And on top of the story mode, there's some bonus uh, bonus modes called Rumble where you can just kind of fight with these gangs against each other, and you unlock more gangs to play as and characters that you can use. So in terms of gameplay and mechanics, The Warriors is pretty, it's pretty bland. Uh, even when it came out in 2005, it was a pretty basic game. And it's not that the gameplay is bad or anything like that, it's just, especially compared to modern releases, it is very simplistic, and I would imagine it's going to get too repetitive for a lot of modern players. Uh, it's a classic beat-em-up in the style of you know, Double Dragon or Streets of Rage that relies on an extremely shallow and basic combo system. Even the boss fights lack depth, uh, they all boil down to hitting the boss with projectiles while you dodge the projectiles they throw at you, or you fight the boss straight up. But when you fight them, there's really no, there's not like a, a puzzle or a way to figure out how to counter them. They're basically just souped up standard enemies that can hurt you more and take more damage. Uh, the game does have a two player co op mode, and that's definitely how I would recommend you play it so despite the simple gameplay i've been having a really good time with it the game does a really top-notch job of maintaining the character and the essence of the movie the voice actors sound exactly like the original characters they're mimicking and the tone of the game reflects the movie perfectly Uh, one of the reasons i love the warriors is that it is i mean it is campy in some regards but it doesn't pull any punches when it comes to its characters being flawed anti-heroes i mean they're These are gang members. They're violent. They're frequently sadistic. Um, These are the kind of guys, they don't have any problem pushing somebody off a a roof or using rape as a threat to coerce behavior. I mean, the game's tutorial, and this is like the first thing you do in the game, has the player fighting bums to learn the combo system, and the warriors actually pay the bums in liquor to get beat up. Uh, being made by Rockstar I mean it's a company they really don't hesitate to spark kind of controversy, and they do so without apology it's surely what enabled them to keep the tone of the movie you know so well. I think most other companies would have watered the characters down or changed some of the story mostly not because they you know want to censor it or something, but it, there's a lot of times when you're playing the Warriors where you at least i mean even for me where I kind of step back and it's it's hard to Accept what these characters are doing. Um, and I think a lot of companies would have lightened it up so that the characters wouldn't risk being unlikable, because honestly, they're pretty unlikable. Specifically, Ajax. Ajax is a character from... The first time you see Ajax, he's really pressing on this girl pretty... I mean, border. it's like a borderline rape scene uh, that doesn't happen, but that's where it's going. And he's constantly using uh, some gay slurs... And he's, he's definitely the worst of the Warriors, but that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. And that, yeah, you know, that's who they are. So uh, if you like the Warriors in the movie or you want an approachable couch co-op game that you can play with a friend, I would definitely recommend the Warriors. It's 15 bucks on PlayStation 4. It's frequently on sale if that's too rich for your blood. And a lot of those Rockstar games, they do a pretty good job putting them on sale on a, the PlayStation 4 PS2 backwards compatibility. And if you don't have somebody to play with locally, the nice thing is PlayStation 4 offers Share Play, So you can just do that with a friend online, which I think I'm, I'm hoping to do that with my brother pretty soon. I haven't really got a chance to play it on co-op, but I'm pretty excited to check that out. So definitely recommend The Warriors the game, especially if you like the movie. So since we're talking about The Warriors, there's one complaint I have with it that isn't unique to The Warriors, but it's frequently employed element of game design that's both lazy and terrible. And that's mashing a button to make something happen. Um, the warriors, you can upgrade your character by doing sit-ups, push-up, chin-ups, that sort of thing. And in order to succeed at the challenge to pass it, you have to do a certain number of the exercise before a timer runs out. And the way you do the exercise is just by mashing the X button as fast as you can. It's not fun. It's a lazy, lazy, lazy way to design a game. And it's not, un- like I said, it's not unique to the warriors, it's just there there's just nothing fun about pushing the same button over and over and over like show me one instance of repeatedly mashing the same button over and over that's fun and i'll give you 5 bucks like this is a mechanic that stems from the awful quick time events that started popping up in every action game after God of War 1 and Resident Evil 4 and that's not to decry or uh, deride God of War 1 and Resident Evil 4 when they came out quick time events were revolutionary like nobody was doing that yet it was it was like a major innovation At this point though it's just become a trope. Um, In God of War you open literally everything. To open anything you have to mash a button. Why? Because developers couldn't figure out a more enjoyable way to have the player open doors or chests and apparently thought pressing a button once was too easy. Honestly if you could just press the button once to open the thing it'd be a lot less annoying. Uh, Resident Evil 4, they get a bit of a pass on this as it was one of the first games to use QuickTime events and it was somewhat, as I said, revolutionary when it did uh, when Resident Evil 4 came out it wasn't that it was fun to mash the buttons but it was new so it created tension for you when you were running from a monster and had to slam on the buttons to get away and this tension is almost entirely because no game had done this before it was unique like I said, nowadays it's it's just a trope and the interesting thing is of all the things that have evolved about video games this mechanic hasn't Uh, franchises like resident evil and god of war still use it identically to how they first did over a decade ago other developers use it too Uh, i recently started playing dying light which is a really good game highly recommend it but it uses the stupid mash x mechanic to open valves Uh, if a zombie gets a hold of you you got to sit there and just tap the crap out of it until it gets off you so i mean unless your game is track and field it shouldn't have any moment where the player has to mash the same button over and over. It's not fun. It's never been fun and it demonstrates a lack of creativity and shortcutting by the development teams. Stop doing it. And don't even try to come at me with Mario party. Okay. In terms of mechanics, Mario party is one of the worst games of all time. And I'm not saying Mario party is a bad game. I'm not even saying it's one of the worst games, but if we're talking purely about mechanics, how a game functions, what you do to make your character do stuff, Mario Party is one of the absolute worst in the majority of the minigames, absolute crap. The response time between when you push a button and your character reacting is awful. So, yeah, I'm glad people can enjoy Mario Party. I enjoy it at times, but the controls are a mess. They've always been a mess. So, don't even come at me with that one. So, I'm going to talk about No Man's Sky for a little bit. And if you've already read my post on No Man's Sky on the website... This is, you know, the same thing. I'm just going to say it instead. So, uh, I mean, where to start with No Man's Sky? What a huge letdown! And it's not that it's a bad game. It's not, but it's not the game they said we were getting. This has easily been my most anticipated title since it got featured at Sony's E3 2014 press conference. Um, it was created by Hello Games, the makers of Xbox Live Arcade and PlayStation Network game Joe Danger, which was a pretty cool game. It was kind of a surprise when it came out that it, you know, that it was good. So. No Man's Sky was pitched as a deep space exploration game that was utilizing procedural generation to create a universe with four quintillion planets, offering diverse biospheres, creatures, and physics for the players to discover. The goal of the game is to get to the center of the universe. You achieve this by mining resources on planets you discover and upgrading your spaceship until you can warp around the universe like Han Solo hitting lightspeed. The E3 2014 trailer showed off a lush planet with diverse wildlife. As the player exited a cave, there were antelope-like creatures drinking from a stream until this huge dinosaur-sized monster came rushing out of the woods, causing all the smaller animals to scatter. And as this danger is unfolding in front of the character, he jumps into his spaceship and he flies off. It looked incredible. Uh, Before it came out, Sean Murray, who's the founder of Hello Games, he claimed that all the ga- all the planets in the game would have realistic day and night cycles. They would revolve around their galaxy's sun. Uh, he even went a little step further, claimed that the planets would have their own gravitational pull based on their size. Well, come to find out, none of that is true. None of it. Not a single bit. Uh, users on Reddit put together a really comprehensive list, which I'm going to link to, so you can check that out. I'm not going to go into every single lie he made. I'm just going to go into the ones that I think hurt my experience with the game. First of all, the planets don't revolve around their sun. Their moons don't revolve around them. Day and night cycles are totally artificial. Planets' proximity to the sun doesn't make a lick of difference. The physics are identical no matter how big or small the planet you're exploring. The E3 trailer showed animals congregating at a stream before being sent running in different directions as the big predator came after them. And it was what I, you know, that trailer was what I imagined an outer space safari would be like. Like It, look, it looked incredible. Like, do you just find these creatures interacting with the world? None of that stuff happens in the game. Uh, the animals don't drink from streams. They don't eat plants. They don't rush out of the woods to attack smaller creatures and protect their territory. They don't do anything. They just wander around. So, while the planets in No Man's Sky are procedurally generated, the noises and behavior of the animals are identical. There's about four different noises you just hear over and over from all of them. All of the creatures, and I mean all of them, just lag, they just lollygag around like idiots doing nothing. Occasionally a creature will attack you, um, but that it's not really fun to fight them because it's more just annoying, you know, because it's not like they have interesting behavior where they're dodging to the left while you're shooting. I mean, they just kind of run at you bite you and you know that's it it's, it's stupid so one of the major downsides to procedural generation is artificial intelligence for the game or for the, the npcs in the game it's not designed specifically for a creature so whereas you have a game like halo where the brutes are always going to act a certain way the grunts are always going to take a certain strategy with this the behaviors. Randomly, you know, it's random. It's based on an algorithm, and that algorithm appears to be about as deep as a spot of spin on the sidewalk. So, No Man's Sky could have been a great game, but false expectations that were created by Murray and Hello Games lies tainted it from the outset. And I, I really mean that. If they would have just told us what the game was from the get go, I would probably still be enjoying it. Because um, it's not that it's not enjoyable, but I can't help playing it and just thinking of all the things it was supposed to be. Instead, we just got this repetitive, shallow experience. Uh, Before release, Murray bragged about the expansive periodic table that No Man's Sky would employ for mining and crafting. I swear to you, there are less elements in No Man's Sky than Minecraft when it was in beta. You pretty quickly realize everything is crafted with the same five or so elements, and the game becomes a perpetual fetch quest to get more of those five elements. It's not fun. It, It just gets... It feels like a grind very quickly, and before we, when I first started playing it, I was on Twitter and I said that I thought I was kind of worried that it could start feeling like work instead of fun, and it did. Um, during the course of No Man's Sky development, there was discussion about the ability to customize your weapon and ship. And while you can upgrade your weapon to be more combat or mining-oriented, you can't change the look of it at all. Uh, you can add function uh, the functionality of a grenade launcher, but you won't see a physical change on your weapon to reflect that. So, and uh, definitely don't plan on changing the paint on your ship, because you cannot do anything to your ship. You can expand its, I mean, you can, like, improve its phasers, you can improve its shields, but it makes no physical difference to the, to the appearance of your ship. So, I, I played about 25 hours, over 25 hours, probably a little closer to 30. I beat the Atlas Path, warped over 50 times, found a ton of planets, found a ton of species, in the entirety of my experience i would say i found maybe six different types of planets some of the planets have a lot of water some of them have floating rocks that would make you think gravity is unique but it's not the ro- the rocks might float you never will i mean basically imagine when you're playing minecraft and you shoot the l el- you know the elements out from under one and it just stays there that's what it's that's what it's like so no man's sky does feature space combat but again it's just not fun. When your adventure starts, your ship is too weak to fight against space pirates or attack freighters for resources without dying. Uh, the limited view from your cockpit makes fighting really frustrating. You don't have good peripheral vision. You really quickly lose sight of your targets, and then this is all compounded by your your ship just isn't agile enough to make the turns necessary to get behind the enemies and get on the offensive. Like it's you spend half the fight just turning in circles, trying to spot these people. So most of the space pirate attacks result in extended periods of just being shot from behind while your ship is too weak to fight back. It's annoying. I I pretty quickly just decided I was going to try to avoid the encounters as much as I could. Even once my ship was strong enough to fight back, the clunky controls and slow movement stopped me from trying. Now here's a real question. Do you like menus? Because if you do like menus... You will love No Man's Sky. I have never played a game in my life that needed hotkeys more than No Man's Sky. Everything you do, and I mean everything you do, requires some element to recharge your spacesuit, your ship, or your multi-tool. And that in and of itself wouldn't be a problem. But the only way to recharge any of your gear is to go into a menu and select the item you want to recharge and then select the element you want to recharge it with. And this may sound like nothing, but when you're trying to mine, your multi-tool runs out of juice after maybe a minute and a half. And even as you upgrade it, it's still not going to give you that much longer. So basically every minute and a half, you have to go back into this menu and refuel it. it. It just doesn't make any sense for why they did it that way. It's a really bizarre design decision. It's most prominent during the already unenjoyable dogfights with space pirates. So these space pirates will attack your ship, and as it's driving down your shields, the only way to recharge your shields is to go into the menu, which doesn't pause your gameplay, and select the element that you want to use to recharge it. So what ends up actually happening is you're under attack, you're getting rocked by these people because your ship's really not that strong for the first probably 15, 20 hours of the game unless you focus on only getting it up. And so when you go into the menu, it doesn't pause gameplay. So instead of being able to recharge your ship without still getting pelted by the enemy, your ship comes to a standstill, so it's an even bigger target for the enemy while you do this. Uh, it's really frustrating, and it's something that could have easily been avoided by just allowing players to map resources to the D-pad. They don't use the D-pad for anything. And it's not like that's an innovative idea. Games have used the D-pad for over a decade. For how, I mean, Elder Scrolls Oblivion came out in 2006, and you could map things to the D-pad, like potions and stuff like that. It, it's just, It's just a really... I don't know. I don't know how that got overlooked in QA or how nobody was like, hey, maybe we should have hotkeys like every other game that's come out in the past 10 years. So it really can't be overstated how cumbersome and time-consuming the menus are. Selecting anything in the menus requires you to press the selection. So the menus, they kind of work and operate similar to Destiny's, where you have a little um, circle avatar that you put over an item and that's how you select it but you have to hold down the select button for about two seconds before it actually does. It. It's like this little wheel fills up, and it just gets so annoying. Like, you can't do anything quickly in this game, um, which is really disappointing. It's just it really obtuse game design. So during my time playing, I finished the Atlas path, and I expected I thought I was going to get rewarded with like a new gun or a new ship, but no. You get a virtual pat on the back in the form of an overdramatic block of text. And that's something about this game is it tries throughout to be really profound in like your characters, like, Oh my God, I've learned more about the universe. Now I'm so smart. Oh, this creature looked at me, but it's just stupid. Like, it's like, it's like what I imagine playing Dungeons and Dragons. That's not to rip on Dungeons and Dragons. I've never played, but like if somebody wrote like, encounters for Dungeons and Dragons that was like really into themselves. This is the kind of stuff that they would write. So, um, I beat the Atlas path. It's one of the worst payoffs in gaming I've ever seen. Like it was just, I I don't know. I wish I hadn't wasted my time. I was originally going to go to the Galactic Core, which is the main idea of the game. Um, and I would have, had I felt that I was going to find interesting creatures or planets as I went. That was every you know, that was my intention. My intention was to play this game for months or years. I was really excited. But I don't think I'm ever gonna find even one percent of that E3 2014 trailer. Like I do not believe that kind of encounter or discovery is possible in the game. Um I, I don't even think creatures that big exist in the game because I think the the trees and the mountains would just cause problems. And it already has technical issues. It drops to like 20 frames a second when you're over water. Um, The planets are are constantly, it never seems like it can load the planets as fast as you can travel across them. So they're always kind of materializing in front of you, which isn't like a big deal because it works, but it leads me to believe there's no way they could have creatures that large without tanking the performance of the game. So the, the planets are all functionally the same and this was pretty disappointing to me. They they look, they tend to there's about 6 or 7 different looks for them. Some of them have freezing temperatures, some of them are super hot, some of them are radioactive, but that really doesn't do anything to the gameplay. Your exosuit, you you just recharge it with iron, one of the elements. I mean, basically the the worst planet you're on in terms of like danger from climate the more often you have to go into your menu to recharge your exosuit. That's it. That's all it does to gameplay. And if you don't have anything, you just blast a hole in the ground and you can just hide in there for a while. So um, the creatures creatures are lame. It was really neat when I first started playing it. I was really into it. I liked finding the different things, but very quickly, you see that all the creatures are basically the same. There's like I don't know I mean there's obviously there's more variations than I personally saw but it seemed like I saw like 15 creatures and then the only difference was sometimes they had horns or they had like eyes in weird places stuff like that um, but again they, they don't do anything and that's the biggest problem is like you'd see these creatures with like baby versions like they'd have you know the mom and the dad and the baby they don't really interact other than they all sort of stick together. you can run right up on the baby and kill it. And the parents aren't going to do a thing about it. And that was probably the most disappointing thing. I was, man, that first trailer is so good. And it just, it sets such an an expectation in my mind that I, I don't believe for a moment it'll ever, it'll ever achieve. So one of the other things, they talked a lot before release about, oh, you meet these aliens and you learn this alien language. You meet like three aliens over and over and over again. And, like, I get it. Like, okay, that one has a slightly different – its eyes are a little higher or its mouth is a little more open. It's the same three animals or the same three aliens, excuse me. They're – and it's annoying too. So every time you meet one of these aliens, they give you something. Like, they'll ask you a question. Sometimes you got to respond the right way in order to get, you know, the reward. But probably about 15 hours in, I realized every time they were giving me a blueprint, I already had it. They would give me some upgrade for my ship that I already knew. They'd give me an upgrade for my gun that I already knew. And so the there's not really loot in the game. And there's not really... I lost my drive to try to find more blueprints. Because 90% of the time, I already had whatever they were giving me. And it didn't matter how many galaxies I warped from. This just kept happening. And it, I love loot. Um, like Mass Effect 1, I love Mass Effect 1. I know people are like, oh, it's inventory systems, terrible... I don't care man i just like collecting and upgrading stuff give me something that does like five five more damage than what i've had for the past 20 minutes and i'm so excited when they got rid of the loot system in mass effect 2 i was horribly disappointed and that's not like mass effect 2 clearly has the better gameplay than mass effect 1 but i like loot loot is and that's why i've been playing dying Light lately. i've been getting my loot fix from dying light it's been great so that was a pretty big disappointment for me um No Man's Sky as a concept is great, but that's all it ever was. Murray and Hello Games misled players with blatantly untrue statements. They created expectations. They never had the intentions of meeting. If I thought they could add all these features through downloadable content and patches, I might be more forgiving, but I don't. From playing the game, it seems like there's no way they could make it work how they said it would without just changing the game on a really fundamental level um, that I just don't think is going to happen. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to patch the game to make planets revolve around the sun. Um, I don't think you'll be able to play online with your friends, which is really funny, because like Murray kept talking about it, like, oh, yeah, you can play online with your friends, but like our universe is so huge, you're never going to run into them. And then these two streamers ran into each Well, they didn't run into each other. They got to the same spot on the first day of release. And guess what? They couldn't see each other. So, you know. And what a stupid lie to say. Why would you say that you're going to be able to play with other people or you're going to be able to see other people in your universe? Like, that's not... Like, what? What a stupid, stupid lie. How on earth did you think people... If there's one thing people were going to very quickly notice about the game, it was that you can't see other people. Like, did they really think millions of people were going to buy no man's sky and nobody was gonna be like hey let's try to run into each other like what a doofus thing to do so um like i said man i thought no man's sky was gonna be something i'd play for months if not years after release and, and that's definitely not the case um another thing murray said before it released was that all the dlc for no man's sky was going to be free uh, that was a big point he made put a lot of emphasis on that in about a week before release he's now changed his tune to ah well you know maybe we'll release some paid dlc ah you know we'll see we'll see if we make you know if the funding would help us do better so that's a huge turn off to me I'm not giving them another dime until they address the lies. And when he talks about, oh, well, you know, if it, it, the more funding would make us able to do more. Like, bro, get out of here. This game was $40 when they first announced it. And then they bumped it up to 60 after people were really excited about it. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to be able to do way more with all this funding we got. And then the game is not, not even 10% of what they promised it would be. And I don't mean like – I know a lot of people have been comparing him to like Peter Molyneux, um, who made the creator of Fable in black and white. Cause he always exaggerated about his games, but I never felt like he blatantly lied. Like, I felt like he got really excited about concepts and was like, Oh, yeah, you're gonna fall in love with your dog in Fable 2. But he wasn't out there like, Oh, yeah, Fable 2 is gonna have co op and then it comes out and doesn't. You know, like, he wasn't doing things like that. Were the ramifications of the decisions you made in Fable ever as like impactful and extravagant as he made them out to be no but you did get to make choices and it did make some sort of impact no man's sky is just been one of the most amazing bait and switches and video games i've ever seen i would not encourage anybody to get it if you can get it used you know i don't know maybe check it out but i don't even think it's worth that and with all the lies and the things on top of that this is a company i don't plan to support ever again or at least until they make good on what they said um, they haven't addressed any of the lies and The things that they, I mean, these are things they said. Like, this wasn't marketing. Like, they just blatantly lied for the past three years. All right, so I'm going to close out this week's show with our deal of the week. And the deal of the week is going to be Doom for the PC, Xbox One, and PS4. It is currently $20 at GameStop until the 30th. Um, I haven't had a chance to play too much of Doom. I red-boxed it for a night, and what I played I I really liked a lot. I just didn't have much time to play too many games at the moment. had a couple other things I was playing. So it's a fast-paced shooter. It's got an emphasis on run-and-gun gameplay. It is the complete opposite of Doom 3 in every regard. So I loved Doom 3. It was one of my favorite games from the original Xbox, one of the few horror games I've really enjoyed and played through. Um, But I understand why a lot of people didn't like it. One of the biggest complaints about Doom 3 is that it was it's, it's really slow-paced. There's an emphasis on horror and scares instead of action. And the majority of the game had players walking around slowly through corridors using uh, using a flashlight. Like You had to use this flashlight. And using the flashlight wouldn't have been a big deal, but you couldn't have your gun out while you used the flashlight. So you end up in these fights where you're in a pitch-black room and there's a demon stalking you. And you have to switch between the flashlight and gun to try to spot the enemy. Um, while you're trying to shoot at them. I thought it was cool. A lot of people hated it and found it to be really annoying, but I thought it added a lot of stress to the encounters. And it was neat because you'd turn your flashlight on, you'd spot them, and then you'd start shooting, and your the, the gunfire, the light from it, would make the movements of the character similar to like a strobe light effect where they're on your left, then they're on your right, and then suddenly they're just right in your grill while you're trying to pop shots off at them. I liked it a lot, but again, I, I really do understand why a lot of older Doom fans didn't like it. They waited years for a sequel, and then it ended up being something more akin to a spinoff. So, Doom 2016, it's gotten great reviews from the media and the public. It's got an 85 on Metacritic. It's been talked about as an early Game of the Year contender. A lot of people said it's one of the best first-person shooter single players that they've played in a long time. Uh, I was kind of skeptical of Doom before it came out, but then I played 2014's Wolfenstein The New Order, which was also published by Bethesda, and that's another classic id franchise. And it, it was just fantastic. Wolfenstein The New and The Old Blood, the expansion, are both really good. They harken back to those old school first person shoes. You don't have, you know, hold L to basically lock on like Call of Duty. It does have a cover system, and it's actually one of the few cover systems in first person that I've ever used that I thought was. Competent and and actually benefited the game as opposed to it, it's kind of similar to Rainbow Six Three, not Vegas, but the original where you could lean. So you have leaning, but you can. It doesn't make the mistake of making the character unable to see over a crate because they're in cover in first person. Like you can still see where you need to go and do all that. And it's really good. You can you can almost always find uh the New Order and Old Blood on sale, and sometimes I'll have them both for like fifteen dollars. And I highly recommend those. But based on those and my playtime with Doom and all the really positive reviews and things that people have had to say about it, I'm definitely going to go pick up Doom 2016. $20, you really can't go wrong. Game just came out in May. It's pretty shocking that its uh, prices dropped so fast. I'm not really sure why that is. But you know, I'm excited to check it out. Definitely recommend that to you. And uh, that's my deal of the week. So this has been my first episode of David Hates Everything. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't, you know I don't care. Um, but if you got some stuff you think I should talk about or some things you think would be interesting, or even if you just think some of the things I said are total BS, let me know in the comments, holler at me. Let me know on Twitter at David Schrader underscore. I, you know, I've got no problem, uh, listening to that stuff. And frankly, I enjoy people giving me their opinions on it. Uh, you know, video games are, are really subjective and that's how it's supposed to be And people's interests and in things are going to be different and that's fine. So, just let me know what you think. Definitely excited to get some feedback and join in next week.